Welcome to the podcast Unimagined, where current and former students share how they imagined education in schools could be regarding student leadership. We ask them to share about their experiences and offer advice on how we can all do better. How does one get into leadership or develop a leadership role? The path we take can be different for all of us. In this interview, Brinkley shares the impact a teacher and her own identifications as a good person have had on her leadership development. Imagine what they will do. I know you can imagine too. Speaking of growth and strengths here, we always ask to highlight two to three strengths that they think apply. I'm not someone who identifies as a person who thinks fast on their feet, but I am someone who you plant the idea in my head and I will mull over it for a long, long time and I will think about it and think about it and think about it and then I will come back once my ideas have fully formed and then share my opinion. And so sometimes that comes across as being shy, as being apprehensive, as not participating actively. I'm definitely the kind of person that sits and observes and then gives my input only when I feel comfortable and solid in in what I'm thinking. My strength is observing the things around me, taking the thoughtful time to reflect on those things. You strike me as a risk taker. I have never been called a risk taker before. I don't take risks that aren't calculated. And interestingly, I think staying in the same box, you take more risks because people peg you for something. When you really shake things up and things are totally different and you have no expectations for what may or may not be, it's the opposite of a risk because you're starting from a clean slate. As a personal challenge for myself, I decided to test all of the running and outdoor activity that I had been doing over the summer. At 4.30 in the morning on move-in day of my sophomore year in college, I left my house in Concord, New Hampshire and ran 70 miles to my dorm room in Cambridge, Massachusetts. And I did it with the help of my parents and friends who joined for different stretches along the way. And I made it to my dorm room just as the sun was setting over the Charles It took about 12 and a half hours, but that's a testament to putting in the work, taking the time, and then proving to yourself what you can do and and not, not giving up. Wow. I can't even imagine. But I think that's another example. I kind of do things out of the box. I come up with an idea and then make it happen. And it's usually not conventional. I skip those conventional steps like a marathon, a 50K, etc. And just go for go for whatever is calling me. As you can see, there are so many things that Brinkley has done in her career as a student. We shift into asking her questions about her college experience and how she came to decide the major and the focus 
and some of the experiences she's had as a college student. She finds herself now in her first semester of her senior year at Harvard University. Reading the description of sociology, which is the study of people and interactions between people, cultures, it was it really hit the nail on the head in terms of my interest in, in putting it in one discipline. I've also chosen to study French. That's kind of a 180 from high school where I studied Latin, but decided to study French in college because I wanted to speak a spoken language. I think in the back of my mind, I want to work in the space of humanitarian aid and international relations, and French is a really central language in that, in that sphere. I was wondering if you could go back and give advice to Brinkley as a freshman in high school. If I could go back to my younger self as an eighth grader, as a freshman um, in high school, I think I would tell younger Brinkley to be more confident in herself, more confident in the things that she does, and more confident in, in the person she is. Freshman year of high school is the time of a lot of growth and finding your identity and finding your friend group and finding the things you like and the subjects you like and the things you don't like as much. A lot of formation happens there and you're afraid to make mistakes, but I think I would tell younger Wrinkly that it's okay and that it doesn't change the person you are and you should be more confident. Do you think that that's a very typical female behavior of not having a lot of confidence. Yeah, I do think especially younger girls are under a ton of pressures. In high school, I went back to my elementary school, Beaver Meadows School, and I was an assistant coach of Girls on the Run, which is a program for third through fifth grade girls that teaches them teamwork and identity and being a good young citizen through the sport of running. And you see there the problems that they're facing and their little relationships and their disputes with their friends and trying to balance just beginning homework with all the other things going on in their life. And you notice that in your own life as a high schooler on a bigger scale. And so for sure, I think this is a uniquely female challenge of the media and I think I occupy a unique space in the Concord community in that I was adopted at six months old by two parents who are American through and through. My dad is from Western New York. My mom was born in Framingham, Massachusetts, but grew up in Cocoa Beach, Florida. And so I occupy this unique space in which I look different from the greater Concord community, which is overwhelmingly white. And yet, this is my experience growing up. As a kid, you probably didn't feel different from other kids. My, you know, racial identity and how I present to others doesn't look the same, but inside, I'm a Concord resident through and through. And so that spanning those different groups has definitely influenced me and my personality and and how I identify myself. You know what it is to be different, right? So you can identify with more diversity than 
the typical Concord resident. As a place that that has diversity, but there's a difference between having diversity and then being tolerant of diversity and then actively including others in in the community identity. And, And I think Concord definitely has diversity, but I think we're not, the hand is not quite on the full inclusion. You realize when you kind of analyze it, I guess, that so much goes into inclusion and equity and diversity. It's such a big thing right now. As we transition our conversation from Brinkley's experience as a student, we focus more on the influences teachers had on her development. Brinkley identifies one particular teacher having a very big impact on her as a student, but Brinkley herself was the driver for her own growth. This social worker who really is my mentor is responsible for a lot of the things that I've chosen to do and the path that I've gone down. I'd be in the same place that I am had it not been for this teacher who changed my life in seventh grade. Probably no. But I do think that that's not giving enough credit to myself as an individual with morals and with a greater calling that maybe might not have been found in seventh grade. I think would have come out eventually. So would I be in the same place? Probably not. But would I be in a similar place? be it a similar college, in a similar life phase, yes, because I feel like the person that we are meant to be, we will, we will be. Do I think that every person has the pleasure and the privilege of meeting someone who will be so instrumental in their life as to change it, guide their path forward? No, but that makes me want to be that person. When you have been affected in such a positive way, you feel like it's your calling to pay it forward. And so you can start sprinkling seeds. Eventually, I think we'll come to that place where everyone has that person, where everyone will be that person. I think I really started identifying myself as a student in seventh grade when this new club that had just been formed called the Be The Change Club. And the Be the Change Club is a club that brings together new American students who are typically refugees or immigrants who have just moved to Concord and are now in the public education system, as well as American students. It brings them together and you do kind of multicultural activities to spread multicultural awareness in the school community. Being asked by a teacher, being recognized as someone who might be good for this club That really began my identity as a student and a friend, someone who embraces diversity and who really values inclusion. And so I was involved in that club all the way through graduation. You talking about that club and that teacher just asking you in seventh grade, I had a similar experience where I never saw myself as a leader until a teacher selected me for some things. And then all of a sudden I was like, wait a minute, (laughs) maybe I can do this. Like maybe this is going to be my thing. And I think kids, and maybe even especially as we were talking about girls, have a hard time identifying themselves as leaders until someone else does. 
So I'm interested on what you did you think of yourself as a leader before that? No, I didn't identify myself as a leader before a teacher telling me, hey, I think you have leadership qualities. I do think that a leader with that confidence, when someone sees another person secure in themselves, confident in themselves, it allows them to have that space to do the same. I think a leader makes people feel comfortable to to be themselves and express them whatever they choose to. I do think that the common thread among leaders, not necessarily by title, but by people that we gravitate towards as leaders, those individuals are able to give the space for others and their strengths to come and fill in this this space in the middle. And once they come out, you, I don't know, you foster those. And this speaks to what I have decided to write about for my senior thesis in college. It has to do with leadership, but more so it has to do with diversity and community building. So for my senior thesis, I have decided to study academic integration and social integration in the Concord public school system. I'm looking at English language learners and how integration into mainstream classes out of ELL classes fosters social integration and and what drives community building between different groups of people. And I've found that formal avenues of integration, such as, you know, being put in the same classroom as someone else um, who's different from you, doesn't necessarily foster community. What fosters community is just what you've said, those informal connections that you make with people. That teacher who says, hey, I think you, you, you know, would really do well in this club or on this team. It's friends who invite you over or who invite you to their table at lunch. It's not top down. It's definitely bottom up. It's the personal connections that give you more of a stake in your academics that make you want to learn, not because you're inherently curious and a student at heart, but because someone cares about you as a, as a person in addition to a student. The teachers that have been most instrumental in my life have been the ones that I have formed a personal connection with. And that personal connection sometimes starts from the coursework we're doing in class where you start talking about a book and then they recommend you to another book and then you read that book and you talk about that book. Other times it's been they've come to one of my sports meets or games and have cheered for me and and the rest of those on my team. Sometimes it's been, oh, hey, Brinkley, I thought of you when. And so if I could give advice, not advice, but if I could share something with the teachers that I've had, it's to form personal connections with your students because they will remember that. They will remember you. You will continue sharing the stories from their class. It's those teachers we remember the most. So personal connections. Those personal connections always start from the teacher to the student. Some students are curious and will establish 
that personal connection will seek it out themselves. But I do think that those students are far fewer in number than students who could use a little bit more encouragement. And whether that's a teacher who directly reaches out to you, like that seventh grade teacher did for me and says, hey, I think you know, you'd be a great member of this club. Or if you're a teacher who from day one of school, you make it known that your classroom is a space where teachers and students are both here to learn from each other and that you're here as you know a mentor, a teacher. You're not necessarily directly reaching out to the student, but again, leaders, you're giving them the space to do so should they choose to. I think a lot of things go back to the power of choice. You know, students, especially high schoolers, we're rebellious. We think we know everything about the world and don't want to be told what to do and when to do it. And so as a teacher, I think you need to recognize that little piece of rebellion and remember that you had it too and subtly mold, shape your students in a way that guide, I I don't know what word you would use, but understand that stage of development and use it to open their minds. I love it. As a teacher, it speaks to me. I know that that I try and implement choice in my classroom, but I think you gave a lot more to go on and of ways that I can incorporate making those relationships and making them stronger. I think you were right when I asked you about, do you think you're where you are because of that teacher? I think those students that I fostered that relationship developed, like you said, into the kids that they are now adults. It wasn't necessarily the thing that I did, but it was the relationship that we built that helped them grow into who they are today. I think so too. I You got me thinking back to high school. It's so often that you're walking the halls as you know, a high school student, you, you're complaining about a teacher, you know, why do they teach the way they teach? It makes no sense. They don't like me. Why are they even teaching? Like they don't know X, Y, Z. I think as a student, it's important to remember no one goes into teaching because they don't like it. Teachers love teaching and they want the best for their students. Whether that comes across the way in which they intend, that's another question. And I think it there's a bit of meeting in the middle that students have to do and that teachers have to do. For the most part, it's always remembering that we're in school because we care about learning and becoming meaningful and active citizens of the world. Brinkley, I want to thank you so much for your time today. I know that you're very busy, but I feel like I gained a whole lot of insight after having this conversation with you. Yeah, it was really, really nice to meet you and learn a lot from you, honestly. Thank you for listening to this episode of Unimagined. The purpose of this podcast is focused on speaking to a variety of students about leadership. 
their development of leadership, the opportunities to develop their leadership. And there's really so many aspects of being a leader. There has to be continual growth all the time. So in education, we want to create and cultivate the best leaders we can, which means we cannot assume all students have those skills, those opportunities. Through our interviewing, researching, we are trying to share how these opportunities can help shape the students of today into leaders of tomorrow. Thank you for listening to another episode of Unimagined. If this episode spoke to you, like it. If you think someone else could use it, share it. Or if you know of a student who has a story to tell, connect them to us.